Well, glory to God. Thank God for mothers. Every mother that's in here, you stand to your feet. Let us pronounce blessing over you. Hallelujah. Because believe it or not, you are part of the access for God to bring gifts and callings into this world. In fact, many of them have been chosen before the foundations of the earth. God waiting for an appointed time. He was waiting for you, for your husband, and he was waiting for that gift and that calling to be born into this world. There's no child like your child, and there's no mother like you. No mother like you. You're one of a kind, and so are your children. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pronounce blessing upon these mothers. God, for the love, the compassion, the strength, the diligence, and God, the honor that is due her. Now, Father, we ask that today would be a special day. Let God, their families, recognize their value. Let them embrace her as a gift. And God, we ask you to make this a day of rejoicing and rest in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Except for our house, let Phyllis have the strength to cook. And, and, yeah, right. Hallelujah. I want to, let's turn our Bibles to Joshua 1.5. I want to continue and hopefully wrap up today about recovering all against all odds. And we looked at men last week about men that went up against insurmountable odds. They, it was just impossible for them to win, but because of God. Amen? We discovered that a man that walks with God is not an ordinary man. A man that forgets that God walks with him will ultimately reduce himself to mere human abilities to accomplish divine things. We don't want to be that. Amen? We are a supernatural seed. We are a supernatural nation, and we are supernatural individuals. And God is with us. Can I have Joshua 1, 5? And it says this, There shall not any be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. When God is with us, everything that God is becomes joined to us. The greater always swallows up the lesser. And so what God has becomes ours because Jesus prayed, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. The glory that I had with you before the foundation of the earth, let it be upon them, and let it be theirs. So men that God walks with are different than those that are separated from God. Now, as soon as I say that, you say, well, that's Old Testament. Jesus said the very same thing. He said in John 14, 17, I will dwell in you, and I shall be in you. I will not leave thee without a comforter. Or comfortless I will come to you 
And then he finishes it up in Hebrews 10.23 that says that we are to hold fast our confession of faith without wavering for he is faithful. In other words, he never fails. So God is with us. He is in us. He will not forsake us. And he will not fail us. That makes you and I supernaturally equipped. But I want to talk to you today about recovering all against all odds. And I want to relate it to the faith of Jesus for your families. Because our families, even though we raise them right and we do all that we possibly can, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, you need to sow every day. When you sowed seven times, completed what you think is enough, sow again. Why? Because you never know where evil is going to attack. You do not know. Jesus said that every day is filled with different degrees of wisdom, uh, of uh, demonic attacks or evil because he says, look, don't think about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough evil in it. In other words, there is evil in every day. Every day, evil is trying to weave a net, deceive, break down, destroy, steal. He's trying to do all of that. Sometimes we forget that just as the mercies of God are new every morning, so are the attacks of the evil one. We forget that sometimes. And so... Sometimes we never really realize what the devil has been doing until it's already done. And so we're already in the pit before we're ever trying to get out. But if people are dragging you towards the pit, it might be a good time to start using your faith then instead of at the bottom of the pit. Now, we're going to talk about you and I going after our children. Now, I do not care where your children are. I don't care what they say about themselves. I don't care if they are the head of the atheist organization of California and its subsidiaries, Ohio. I do not care what your child said. But they have a free will. So did Jonah. It kind of got changed. Yeah, you, you know, look, God will not pervert a will, but he'll show you the outcome of your own will ruling your life. And sometimes that's scary. Amen? And so I'm going to talk to you about your children. Now understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. We understand that. The Bible says in Ephesians 10 and 12 that, you know, be strong in the Lord. Now, there's a reason for that because you are not a match for the devil without God and his provision. And it says, be strong in the Lord for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and rulers in heavenly places. Now, we, that's what we battle against. So we are in a spiritual warfare. And your children are one of the main targets of this warfare. If you can get a generation, you can erase God from the earth. Listen to what I just said. If 
the devil takes a generation and we do not recapture it, they will become Egyptians. They will become Egyptians, self-worshippers. But they will not be followers of God. They will ultimately be opposers of God. So, in 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says this, that we are in a spiritual warfare, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we cannot deal with the adversaries of the souls of our children and the souls of our life and the light of our life to this world by natural means. Could again name amen. We're going to have to deal with strongholds. We're going to have to tear them down. Now, let me say this. As I was studying this, the Lord spoke this to me. said, son, too many Christians go by historic st statistics. But history is not a prophetic voice to our future. We don't care what history says about the drug addict, about the prostitute, about the alcoholic, about those that are bound sexually, about the thief, about the robber, about the divorcee. We do not care what history says because it is not the voice of God to our future. Well, you know, this is a statistic. I don't care. But you know, you know, they're going to relapse. No, no, no. I don't care. Don't listen to lost mankind's past to define your believer's future. It is not the same, nor is it, is it empowered by the same sources of power. But we have got to quit listening to that because we, was, we always say, well, this or that, that. Quit saying that. Well, you know, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but stop, stop, stop. Just believe God. Well, you know, I just don't know how. That's because you're not God. Come on, quit thinking for yourself. Renew your mind. You know, I have a whole list in my prayer uh, chart where I pray every day, God, let my mind be renewed. But God, not to the ways of just finding you. God, let me have my mind renewed to your goodness. Let my mind be renewed to your thoughts about me. Let your mind be renewed to your potential that you see in me. Let my mind be renewed who I am in your eyes and not in my own eyes. You know, God said, look, Nehemiah said, God, when you think of me, think about being good. So I say, hey, God, how about having some good thoughts about me? Well, he never thinks bad about me because he's love anyway. He never, ever figures the worst scenario. He figures the best scenario. Amen. Get your mind thinking how God would think about you. Then Ephesians 6.18 says this, taking the word of God, which is 
the sword of the Spirit. God begins to tell us that there are weapons that we must use in order to repel what the enemy is doing. Amen? So we have to respond. The Bible says in Psalm 63, 3, listen to this. Who wet their tongue like a sword. Whew. And bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even their bitter words. Now think, if that's the devil's kids, what he does. He uses words. Words are categorized, the voice of the wicked people, are categorized as a sword. It can afflict damage. Words are like arrows for a bowman. And they can afflict damage. Could again name amen. It can afflict damage. Now, could I have a devil? Don't everybody stand up. I just need one devil. I just need one devil. Hallelujah. All right, bring me a devil. Oh, hey, come on up here, Lyle. You little devil, you. Kylan. Now, Lyle, you're the devil. Your words are like a sword. You got a sword on you? You might. Okay. Let me see your sword. Now, you see his sword? Here you go, Kylan. Compared to my sword? See, you got to realize, no matter what he comes up with, there's nothing like what God has equipped you and I with. But most Christians never use their sword and attack not responded to verbally is like a sword not drawn, an arrow never shot, or the shield of faith never raised. In other words, no matter how weak he is, he is going to defeat you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Realize that if you do not use what God has given you, silence is not golden, it is a sentence of death. Think of the power of the first time that you confessed Jesus as Lord. You took death, transformed it into life. You took defeat into victory. You took alienation into reconciliation. You took being bound by the enemy to being blessed by God. You were seated in a death realm, and you were raised up and made to sit together in the heavenly places. Now, if it worked once, why do we become spiritually non-responsive to the devil when he comes and shows up? The devil shows up at your house with that little knife he's got. Just pull out the cold, hard steel of Scripture. Now, are you ready to fight, Lyle? 
You ready to give your life for Jesus and for this message? What I want to know is what part do you want to be seen in your casket? Head up, shoulders up, or just separate in the middle? Or in the womb. Move your hand because once your hand's folded. Certainly I would not do that. Are any of my in-laws in the house? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Lyle. See, we are so prone to think that the devil, because he pulled his knife, that we become paralyzed. We become paralyzed. It is like, you know, we're getting mugged in an alley. Ooh, ooh, take everything I got. Just go ahead. And he does. Are you kidding? I'm not giving anything up in an alley. I'm going to say, take Phyllis. And I'm keeping what God has given me. There's no sense in both of us being killed. I mean, somebody's got to carry on the heritage and tell the testimony and glorify God. I escaped. But if we're both killed, people will think, why did God let that happen? The only reason to let it happen is because somebody didn't run. And I know I can outrun Phyllis. And I love her. And I know she'd give her life for me, so I want to do her wishes. I'm going to look at her. Honey, do you love me? Yes, darling, more than anything. More than anything? Yeah. You love, would you lay your life down? Yes, I'd say, I'll see you later. All right. Now, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter in verse 8. David inquires of the Lord after he comes back from being in the Philistine army in order to spy and to help them be defeated. But David inquires of the Lord. All of his kids are gone. His wives are gone. All of his things are gone. And his city is burning and smoking, filled with ashes. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them without fail and recover all. Somebody say recover all. Now, what does David have? He has a promise. Now, he can get up and go do. He can sit by the bank and weep. He can listen to all the moaning, complaining, and bitterness coming out of the people that are around him. He can do that. Or he can act on the promise. He can mix faith with a guaranteed outcome. Or imagine a fairy tale outcome. My kids are going to be slave, slaves. My wives are going to be sold on the market. Oh, gosh, what God, I just wish we'd have been home. I wish, I wish, I wish. He's living in the past. But he hears a word from God, a promise, a promise. Now, let's go to, uh, oh, gosh, Genesis. And no, no, let's go to Exodus 4, verse 10 through 17. And let's see what God equipped this man of Moses with when he was going into Egypt 
to face the Pharaoh. Really, Egypt is the strongest base army and military force in the known world at this time. And so, here's what God said. Then Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not an eloquent man, neither herefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who hath made the dumb and the deaf? Or the seeing and the blind? Have not I the Lord? And therefore go, and I will be with And teach thee, teach thee, teach thee, teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Why was he kindled against Moses? Moses didn't believe God was a faithful God at this point. Or he wouldn't have ran from Egypt. He said, well, I thought you guys knew that I was the Savior. Then he runs. And then it says this, he's angry at Moses because he doesn't believe that God's word in his mouth will do what God said it would do. Then he says these words. Anger was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt, never mind, I just got a glimpse of what I can use that for against Phyllis. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. Now last verse. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. You know the Bible says in Psalms 63, 3, that God is a man of war. In other words, he is the host of all victories. Yet he teaches my hands to war. My hands to war. Do you know that words, if you look at Revelations, the first chapter, I'm sorry, I, maybe 12 or 13, it says this. And the voice spake to me, and I turned around to see who it was. You know, when God gives you a promise, he is as visibly present as he was with those that spawned it. Matthew 
10 says that when you're delivered up, don't take thought what you're going to speak because it's not going to be you. It's going to be the spirit of your father giving you what to say. Now, God tells Moses, I will be with thy mouth. And I want you to speak what I say so that I can do what I desire to do. Now, what did God do with David? He gave him a word for his mouth. What did God give to Abraham when he had dead loins and Sarah had a dead womb? He gave him what? He gave him a word for his mouth. Now, none of it will work if you don't loose the sword that God has given you. If you don't raise the shield, if you don't put an arrow in your bow. So God gives you the weapons. The first front of all attacks of receiving your children freed from whatever they're bound by is the proclamation of what God said about your children. Come on, he's already given us a word. And Jesus brought it to us as Moses brought it to Aaron. And we are the priest of God, the kings of the kingdom. Jesus is Lord of the kings of the earth. And God has filled our mouth with a decree. Come on, somebody, shout hallelujah. So you and I as believers have been given something to say. Something to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God got a promise, gave David a promise against the giant. He says, hey, I don't come against you and my son straight. I come against you in the name of the Lord. He'd already tried other ways. It didn't fit him. So then... God gets a word. You know, God gave Paul a word. Second Corinthians 12th chapter, he said, God, I besought you three times to get me free from this messenger of the devil. How did God empower Paul to overcome that attack? He said, my grace is sufficient. And then Paul begins to say, boy, when I get weak, I'm going to rejoice. When I go through hard times, I'm going to rejoice. Why? Because when I am weak, I am strong. In other words, he's saying, when I decree what God has said about me, strength from on high infuses my being. And it is no longer I that speaks, but the spirit of my Father that speaks on my behalf. Hallelujah. Whoo. Come on, somebody. Gee, glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, God has given you the believer, his word. It is upheld by the power that is in God himself, Hebrews 1.3. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. He's upholding your rights. 
He's upholding your inheritance. He's upholding your victory. He's upholding your breakthrough. He's upholding your children. He's upholding everything you do if you just simply put it in your mouth. God put a word in Israel's mouth when they walked around Jericho. He said, when you hear the trumpet blow, shout! The walls didn't fall down. They went straight down into the ground. And that word shout simply means this. It means to declare and to celebrate something that is yet to be seen. It's like a baby. Oh, hallelujah, we're having babies. Woo, glory. You better get that celebration out of the way. Because about three months after you have that baby, sorrow is at night. You have no sleep. You're changing diapers. You're drinking lukewarm milk out of a bottle that you're trying to hold with your teeth so you can clean up the rivers of mess. And then everything about your house is going to be wrecked. You're going to lose all your money. They're going to stain all your clothes. They're going to rip up your furniture. And they're going to bring friends with them to help. <laughs> Rejoice before it comes. That's what the word shout means. Hallelujah. And so we want to shout. It simply means to voice a, no, a noise of predestined destruction. Look it up. In other words, when somebody begins to praise, what they do is prophetically tell of the defeat of their enemies. Praise is prophetic. Then it means to give applause. It means just simply, hallelujah, God is on my side. Your enemy say, what is wrong with that guy? Oh, I'm giving God the applause for what I'm about to inherit. Yeah. So praise. Praise is another instrument that God gives us. Hallelujah. We praise because it's guaranteed that if we stand fast, God will turn it around. What else would you do? Well, I'm used to moaning and complaining. No, no, move that stuff out. That's the old man. But see, you are now united with God. Amen? Then, the last one. Next to the last one. I'll just mention this real quick. Fasting. Somebody say fasting. I think there is a triune chord. I think it's the use of the word, it's the exercise of prayer, and it's using fasting. And you can de destroy and demolish everything the devil has ever built or even thought about building against you. The Bible says that Esther fasted and changed the heart of a king. Could you fast and break? Remember when the disciples said, how can this kind of devil come out? Jesus said, by prayer and fasting. The devil is no match for fast. What will fast do? It'll break the heavy burdens. It'll let the yoke go free. It'll break the band of wickedness. 
and undo the heavy burden. Nothing else can do that but fasting. The continual intercessor of the believer is a fasted life. Hallelujah. And then the last one. Praise God. Philippians 1.19. Paul said, I'm in this prison. I'm bound. Looks pretty hopeless. But I am persuaded that if you will pray, that God will turn this thing around by your prayer and by the supply of his spirit. Do you think that God could release your children from their prisons by your prayer and the supply of his spirit? I believe he could. I really believe that God could. But you don't know what my kid's into. They haven't been into anything that everybody else hasn't been into. Come on. There is hope. The Bible says that Abraham believed in hope against all hope. Hallelujah. Your kid's not dead yet. Your kid's already got a step ahead of Isaac. They're out of the womb. And they are not too far that God cannot save them. Then Acts 12, could I have that on the screen? Acts 12, 5 through 11. Whew. Hallelujah. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without, 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 you remember the prophet, the king, that the prophet was coming, and he said, I know he's got a bad word for me. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm headed for the altar. He goes down the altar, and the Bible says he lays his hand and grabs the horn of the altar. And the prophet can't touch him while he's at the altar. It's a place of sacredness, place where faith is being moved by love, it's a place that God descends to, and here's the request of people. Remember what prayer. Though a man come in and he's a stranger, hear from heaven. Though a man comes in defeated, hear from heaven. If Israel is in iniquity, like many children are, hear from heaven. If they are cursed and bound, Hear from heaven. God knows what the altar is for. What he needs is people to inhabit it. We need to get a hold of it. We need to lay hold of it. We need to use our faith at it. And it needs to be ceasing, not just one time. Oh, but anything more than one time is unbelievable. Who told you that? Did the Apostle Paul tell you that? No, no, because he says this. Upon every remembrance of you, I pray this prayer. Which one of them was filled with unbelief? Yeah. The first or the last or the one in the middle? Please, give me a break. Paul knows more than who you're listening to.
Paul prayed upon every remembrance. Every time that God brings me, brings you to my mind, I feel it as an invitation to God to join him in partnership with your, for your victory. And he says, when I heard of your love for Jesus and your faith, I started praying. And every time I think about you, man, I'm just invoked to prayer. Because there are things that the Word cannot do or will not do in your life because of the limitations of your faith. Paul said, I pray all the time, God, open up their eyes that they may see. God, open up their ears that they may hear. What was that? That was an act of grace laid hold of by faith from another man to a church that needs changed. How about praying, God, open the eyes of my children. Let them see the goodness of the Lord. Let them, God, at night hear the voice that they were taught when they were young. God will do that. Amen? Acts 12, 5, I'm sorry. Come to where we are. Peter, yeah, was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Do you think they were sleeping? No. No, because they got such a charge. They said, we're going to watch this little slivery guy. And he says, so they were, weren't sleeping. And Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keeper before the door kept the prison. You think the keeper was sleeping? Nope, absolutely not. All right. And then it says this, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains just fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself up, bind thy sandals. In other words, take it all with you. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. God's making a way. And he went out and he followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but he thought he was seeing a vision or a night vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came to the iron gate. Whew, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his. Notice that the gate is called his his own accord, and they went out. They passed through one street. Forthwith, and the angel departed from him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Oh, my word, now I know the surety that the Lord hath sent an angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. Can you imagine your children being shackled by whatever they're shackled by. I don't know what they're shackled by. But shackled, being watched by demonic powers 
so they can't get any freedom. Behind gates, separated from all human life, behind the first ward, the second, and a steel gate that says this belongs to the devil. And then you begin to pray. You begin to pray. And the angels of righteousness that are sent forth to be co-laborers with us. You're praying. And that angel is moved. And he goes into your prison, your children's prison. I don't know what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. I do not care. God doesn't care. Anything is possible if you'll dare believe God. Come on. Dare to believe God. All of a sudden, in their stupor, Wayne Von der Heuvel. Wayne, I hate to reveal your past, but I just need it for a story. The day you got saved, how much drugs did you take? Well, I'd had uh, five dimes of speed in me. I had a half a bottle of Jack Daniels, and I had smoked a gram of hash. Smoked a gram of hash. Five ten dollar hits. Ten dollar hits of, of speed. Of speed and a half a bottle of Jack Daniels. Wayne lays down. Be he's been witnessed to by somebody else. But when he lays down, God comes to him in a dream. Wayne gives his life to Jesus in this dream and wakes up totally sober and unbuzzed. I don't care where your children are. God's not limited by what the devil has done. He's already said the gates of hell won't prevail against you, let alone God. Amen? You remember what Paul and Silas did when they got thrown into the prison? And they begin to pray at the darkest hour. It might be your darkest hour for your kid. Do not stop petitioning a healing, saving, delivering God that is faithful, that will not fail thee nor forsake thee, but he's with you. Hallelujah. Paul began to pray. And then right after that, he began to sing praises. He probably, I think he probably just really sounded like me. Only you, Jesus, can set me free. Only you, Jesus, seize my need. Come to me, oh, saving God. Oh, come to me. All of a sudden, Dust is starting to fly in the air. Steel rods are shaking. He's bending. They're breaking. Doors are flying open. The foundation, so there can be no return, is being destroyed. And God sets Paul and Silas and everybody else in there free. And he gives us a promise, if you believe, 
You and your family shall be saved. Oh God, you shall be saved. Don't look at what they're doing. Don't look at what they're saying. Don't just don't look at division. Don't look at strife. Don't look at anything. Just believe God. Take the promise and put it in your mouth. Your sword against his knife is no match. Raise up the shield of faith for your children. Put an arrow in the bow that God will cause to hit the heart of the adversary. Let God be the author of what you're saying. And then don't forget that when you don't know how to pray, that you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And God will give you utterances. Didn't I have a Bible? Oh, there you go. Uh, will begin to give you utterances. And it will be the spirit of your Father that speaketh. Come on. Recover all. We're not leaving one child of any believer that is going to hell. Not one child of any believer is going to spend a lifetime in prison. Not one child of a believer is going to be on drugs, alcohol. Not one child of a believer is going to be forsaken because we will not allow it. Come on, we will not allow it. And we are the ones that God said he'd put a word in our mouth. And that word is from God himself filled with life, faith, victory, deliverance, whatever it takes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is with us. His words become our words. He will not forsake us. Don't ever give up no matter how long it takes. And he will not fail us. Celebrate before you ever see it. You'll drive the devil crazy. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. Father, you have declared that, Father, our households will be saved. You said, God, that the seed of the righteous would be blessed. You said, God, you would bring our children out even when they were in our loins. And you would bring them into the land of promise. Hallelujah. God, going back to Egypt is not an option. We are not losing our family. You knew this battle and this fight would come. But you saw it before the foundations of the earth that you knew that we as parents would not cave in, would not give up, but would fight for the gift, the calling, and the children that you have given us. God, we believe you. God, we believe you. God, ignite in us a fire that cannot burn out and will not burn out. For God, we will be faithful to the saving of the souls of our children. We will constantly be opening doors 
for you, God, to step through. God will constantly be declaring what you said, lifting up praise and breaking through barriers that seem impossible to men. God, we thank you for prayer that destroys the gates of hell. We thank you for prayer languages, God, that is not us, but the spirit of our Father that speaks. God, bring the seed of the righteous home. Save them, God. Sanctify them. Free them. Deliver them. And God, reconcile them to you. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness. You never fail us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet and just begin to thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of you have had a scripture come to your mind. Put it in your mouth. Put it in your mouth. Many of you have realized that God, you are my answer. Many of you realize no matter what they've said, God will deal with them. Many of you have just felt this stirring. And in fact, while we are standing here, you are feeling an urgency. I must find a place of prayer. Many of you are saying, God, thank you for awakening me and stirring me. Many of you have realized that the weapons that God has put into your hands is far greater than the weapons that you have been intimidated by. Father, hallelujah. Let the righteous rejoice in your salvation and your faithfulness to our households. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.